Good morning, my name is Chul and we're, our second Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 55 verses 1 to 13. So you can follow on the screen or in with the Pew Bibles. So starting from verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? and your labour on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. Thanks, Rachel. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, It's great to see you again. If we've not met, my name's Pete. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, Last week we looked at Isaiah 53 together. A wonderful part of God's Word, which in many ways reminds us of what we've been saved from uh, and the only one who can do it. Uh, And this week as we turn to Isaiah 55, in many ways it's what we're saved for uh, and the only one who can give it. It's a wonderful part of God's Word, again calling us to trust in Him. So let's pray that would use His Word to that effect in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray uh, this morning, please would you uh, speak to us by your Word again. Please thrill us by who you are and what you've done for us in Christ. And please call us again to yourself and please work in us that we would come and trust again in you uh, by your spirit uh, in your word. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, As we start our time this morning, uh, I want you to imagine for a moment two menus. Uh, And behind them, if you like, is all the food. Uh, One is a survival diet. Okay, So think canned meat. Uh, dried cracker, rationed water. Uh, and the other is no less than a 12-course banquet. Finest of foods, best desserts. And here's my question, which would you choose? Uh, if you were offered both, uh, let's say morning tea this morning, um, no, no pressure, uh, morning tea preparers, um, <laughs> In fact, um, let's, let's do it by show of hands right now. Okay, so mentally make your choice. Are you ready? Uh, which would you choose? Can survival? Raise your hands. Anyone? 
12 course banquets. Hands up, please. The answer, of course, is delicious banquet. But let me ask you why. If canned survival uh, is all you need, why do we all choose more? I remember when I was growing up, my dad telling me once that if you had to, a person could live on eggs alone. I'm not going to ask the doctors or dietitians whether that's true, but I'm going to tell you, it has never occurred to me as I've strolled the aisles of Woolies to only fill my basket with eggs. Um, I've always gone for more. Uh, Why? And not just when it comes to hypothetical food scenarios. But in real life, and all of life, uh, when it comes to uh, travel, relationships, uh, health, happiness, uh, work, play, why is it that given the choice, we'd all choose more? Especially perhaps when life is hard or hurts, or disappoints, or worse. I was chatting to a friend from our church here uh, just this week, and she spoke about her daily work, and how just how hard it is just to work at each day, how unethical her workplace is, how difficult her workmates. I want to say, in moments like that, it's easy to long for more. But, but I think it's not just when it's like that. Even when life is apparently great, have you noticed how fragile it feels? How quick it comes tumbling down, or or, or felt even then that that kind of nagging for more? The question is, why? Why the longing, nagging for more? Well, the answer, I, I take it from the Scriptures, is because that's what we've been made for. By God's desire and design, we were made for more. And I don't know if you noticed, but the advertisers know it. It's why they claim that the burgers are better at Hungry Jack's. Why? Because you were made for more. It's why they insist you compare the pair. Why? Because you were made for more. See, deep down in all of us is a God-given longing for more. And the question is, where do you find it? How do you fill it? Who can give the more we need? That's what we find out in the part of the Bible in front of us today, in these wonderful words from God. And I'll give you a clue, it's better than Hungry Jack's (laughs) or Industry Super. Or in fact, any of the things we so often look to to give us the more we need. And the words begin, do you see, with God's call to come. To come to him and truly live. Look again, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money, without cost. Three things to notice in that very first verse. First, you notice just how much 
God wants us to come to Him. How much He calls us again and again. It reminds me of that part of the Bible that John read for us in Matthew 11. Do you remember? Did you hear it? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or in John chapter 7, uh, from our reading today, let anyone who is thirsty come. Or again, at the very end of the Bible, do you, do you remember this? Uh, Revelation 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. So often, so many of us have this picture of God where, where He's offered a distance. Maybe even that he likes it that way. You know, that maybe he might let you off, but he won't let you near. Now, he might let you go, but he won't let you come. And if that's you here today, will you hear again these wonderful words from the God who wants us to come? And second, see how when we do... He wants to give, did you notice? And feed and, and fill. And not in some sort of awful prosperity preacher way, you know, the kind of, as if God's a genie. If you give him a rub, you make your three wishes for your best life now. But instead, in fact, in a deeper, better way, with, with peace, purpose, meaning, hope. And when Jesus returns a perfect new creation, and as he often describes, an endless wedding feast. And when he does, did you see, it will be for free. It's the third thing to notice there, do you see it? We don't pay. Or at least it is, we do, did you notice, at another's expense. You see in the verse? Another has paid so we could come. At another's expense, we eat for free. Now, a couple of years ago, someone did that for me and Erica. Um, it, was, it might have even been someone from here, I don't know. It was a particularly dark time of life for us, very, very hard time of life. Um, and an anonymous friend uh, bought us a meal uh, from a particularly fancy restaurant. And I have to admit, um, fancy restaurants are not really my scene, but this one was nice. It was called Ezard's, a free promotion for Ezard's in Melbourne. Uh, and the meal was something called degustation, for those who know these things, foodies in the room. Uh, it was eight courses long of the very best foods. And you know what the best part was? I didn't pay. <laughs> it's when I looked at, happened to just see a glimpse of the bill later. Whoa, I, yeah, I didn't pay. You see, that's what happens here, do you notice? At another's expense, we get to eat. And perhaps if all we had was this passage, we might wonder who, you know, how? Who is the one who, who lets us go free? But remember last week, don't we? When we saw the one who paid with his life on the cross, so we could come in our thirst to the God who calls us to come. And that's what he calls us to do. He says, come to me, 
and truly live. Stop buying the lie that the more you need can be found by you anywhere else. It will only let you down. It will always let you down. I think it was English journalist Bernard Levin who wrote once, and I love this, countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire, yet live lives of quiet and at times noisy desperation, understanding nothing but the fact there is a hole inside of them. And however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars and television sets they stuff it with, however many well-balanced children and loyal friends they parade around the edge of it, it aches. And so God says, don't. Don't look somewhere else for what only I can give. Even as God's people. And remember, this is written to God's people. Don't buy the lie. Don't hedge your bets. Don't invest your life and your time and your money and your loves in what will only let you down. See it, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread? Your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good. You'll delight in the riches of fair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Just as Jesus said in John chapter 10, do you remember? I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And so come, he says, and I will give you life. I really, really will. Verse 3 again, as it continues, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. In other words, I pledge myself to this, God says, in the strongest possible way. I promise to include you in the love I have for my king, whose victory I think he goes on to describe there in verses 4 and 5, and whose fulfillment we know comes in the person and work of Christ. Come to me, he says. Truly live. And how? Well, by seeking the Lord who loves to forgive. See, the verses go on, I think it's almost as if God already knows all the excuses we'll think up. Or perhaps all the doubts that turn us away. Did you see? It's as if he lines them all up like ducks in a row and then shoots them down one by one. Excuses like, but do I have to do it now? I can't I wait a while till the studies are done, the career's all set, house is bought, kids are grown. Can't I wait to always really fully come to you? 
God says no. Do you see it, verse 6? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. You get the impression, don't you, that, that this may not last for long. For a limited time only. Only while stocks last. Perhaps others, others of us will think, um, and maybe even secretly to ourselves, us here in this room, but, you know, but why? You know, what, what, what's the problem? Even, I think, deep down, even us, you know, but what, what's my problem? Like Muppeteer Jim Henson's uh, so often, so famously quoted, if our message is anything, it's a positive approach to life. Life is basically good. People are basically good. See, perhaps we think to ourselves, preach it, Jim. That's me too. Basically good. Again, you see in the verses, God says, no. They're not. We're not. See it, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. See, it might just be if you were here last week and you heard from Isaiah 53, you thought, well, this is easy. You know, no change required. I bring my sin, I get his grace. And then I go on and continue in sin. But again, God says, no. Just as Paul will say in places like Romans 6 or, or Colossians 3, to, to have Christ is to hate sin. Turning to him means turning from sin. There is never, ever any excuse for sin in the life of a Christian. But then perhaps some of us know that all too well. And even as we hear those words, we're racked with guilt. We hate our sin. Perhaps even can't stand ourselves. As a preacher said once, if you knew the things I thought, you would never listen to me. But then if I knew the things you thought, I would never speak to you. And see, maybe that's how you think it is with God. Or maybe you think now, this time, you've gone too far. Too far for his love. To which, what does God say? As verse 7 goes on, did you see? To the same wicked, unrighteous, let them turn to the Lord, and he'll have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. As is often quoted, and it's really wonderful it is, the gospel's this. We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And so God says, seek the Lord who loves to forgive. And again, know for sure he will. He really, really will. 
So often I think one of the problems we have when we come to God is we assume he's just like us. You know, or that he would do what we would do. Or perhaps even as the world treats us, so he'll treat us. I remember speaking to a, a Chinese student on campus once, and this was his biggest problem. Especially when it came to things like this, to, to the wonderful forgiveness of God. You know, to free pardon, amazing grace. Why? Because no one had ever done that for him. And nor had he for anyone else. And so why would God? How would God? Answer? It's there in verse 8, did you see? For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Some of the most wonderful news from the Bible is God is bigger than we could ever imagine. And God is so much better than we could even ever imagine. And so do you see is his wonderful word. God always works to do his will by his word. You see it, verse 10. Like that rain, do you see, that comes down from God. It waters the ground and gives life to seed. Verse 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. The word that Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy 3, do you remember, is this same powerful word that comes from the mouth of God. Works God's will in the world. This really is how God does his work in his world. And you see, this is how he gives us the more that we want and need. This is where we come to really, truly live. This is where we seek the Lord who loves to forgive. And, and so the question is, do we? On our knees, in our prayers, do we come to God daily in his word and hear from him, trust in him for the more that we need? It's by God's word that God does his work in his world. And it sees the verses go on in verse 11. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And what's that purpose here in this chapter in particular? It goes on, verse 12, it's our joy and his fame. Do you see? Did you see it there, verse 12? And can you imagine that this must have sounded to the Jews held captive in Babylon, verse 12? For you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Like, like one of those old black and white Disney animations where the, where the trees themselves kind of dance for joy. That's what I want for you, God says. In some measure, of course, we already have it, don't we? We have this joy in the joy of knowing Christ. In the peace and purpose he gives. 
And one day God says we'll have it even more when Jesus Christ returns and perfection comes with him. Our joy and his fame. Do you see there verse 13? As God reverses the curse, did you notice there? Turns thorns into flowers, prickles into plants. Verse 13, indeed the thorn bush, uh, of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. Why? This will be for the Lord's renown. For an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. One of the shows that was really big in our house recently was um, the Netflix adaption of the, of the book series, A Series of Unfortunate Events. And if you haven't see, uh, seen it, let me tell you, uh, it's almost always in shades of grey. Or kind of through a sepia lens, all washed out. And one of my favourite parts of the show is when the narrator character would often come out, come to the screen and with the most wonderful deadpan voice would say something like, if you're interested in stories with happy endings, this is not the one for you. I don't know if you've noticed, but that's how so many think of God, isn't it? And what life with him must be like. I think it was American author Isaac Asimov who reportedly said, whatever the tortures of hell might be, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. But you see from these verses just how wrong that is. God's purpose is to give us joy for his fame. And he does, and he will. Like a story I heard recently from American University College where in one foul sweep, the invited speaker to the college graduation wiped the debt there and then of every student there. All 400 students, all $58 million worth of debt, gone. What happened next? Their joy. There's some of them there. And the benefactor's fame. How much more with this wonderful God and all he's done for us in Christ, for those who trust in him, and all that he will yet do when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And so do you see, he says to every single one of us again today, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I'll give you rest. Come. Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. See, deep down in every single one of us, both those of us in the room and even our neighbours and friends too, there is a God-given longing for more. And any son by his Spirit, in this word. God is the only one who can give it to us. And so as we close our time now, I want to suggest we take a moment and privately pray to God. Take a moment now to thank him for the more he gives. Ask for his help that will daily come to him. 
and that he might show us the things that stand in our way. I want to ask us to take a moment now to privately pray to God and in just a minute or two, I'll close our time. Let's pray. Let me pray. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very, very much for reminding us this morning that you are the one who can give us what we need. Heavenly Father, we thank you for reminding us this morning of what you've done for us in Christ. We thank you again, our Heavenly Father, this morning for the amazing generosity that you would call us to come to you in and through your Son. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that we would. For those in the room, our Heavenly Father, who don't know you, Father, we pray that today would be the day that they would come for the very first time and accept the forgiveness you give. And for those of us who know you, our Father, we pray that we would make it our habit, our ambition, our daily practice to come to you to resist the pull and lies of the world as they call it, as it calls us to follow it. Heavenly Father, thank you that we may and we can come to you for our joy and for your honour and fame. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.